0: To dominate in the men's singles category, you need speed, explosiveness, and agility. But it's not enough. You also need outstanding aerobic capacity to quickly recover between rallies, sets, matches, tournaments, and training sessions. Being explosive and strong is necessary to cope with the intense changes of direction and jumps that badminton entails. Don't forget to be efficient in both acceleration and deceleration. In men's singles, it's essential to maintain explosiveness throughout the match and adapt to varying playing styles and deceptive techniques. So in this week's episode, we delve into the details of how to train to become a powerful men's singles player who takes control of the court. was my new intro that uh, will follow us along for quite a while, I would assume, and I hope, because it's not that fun to do those sorts of administration, admin, administrative things. So this is a part of being more professional, so I hope you enjoyed it. If you do, just give me five stars on Spotify or wherever you are listening to this episode. So, let's get into the topic of today, or actually, let me start by saying that the coming weeks or let's the coming two weeks, I think there will be some focus on the different categories and how to train for each of them. So, I've done this in Swedish before it was I think it was some of the first episodes I've ever done was about just like how to train for men's singles womens singles and so on and I've actually gotten a, gotten a request from one of you guys uh, to to do it even though it was specifically in women's singles I will do every every single category and even like when when going through the let's say men's, men's doubles for instance I will go through how to to train more specifically if you're more of a back uh how do you say in english the back player the player like smashing and being on the back rear back of the court or the front player so i, I will go through it based on the different demands and what what's uh, different with the, the aspects within the doubles game as well because not uh, every single player is like, for instance, take uh, Kai Jun and Fu Hai when they played. Kai Jun was not at the back of the court that much. He was basically just in front, and uh, Kai Jun was oh no, sorry, Fu Hai was always at the back and smashing uh, and just playing a hard game. And and also how it's how it's different depending on your playing style because of course that's that matters quite a lot as well but let's begin with men's singles so when we look at the vo2 max for the elite men's singles players it's about 55 to 63 which is if we're to put it in of course this is done in a in lab so it's not it's not exactly what i'm gonna say now but it's if you are aiming for a Cooper test, if you if you are using a Cooper test just to to get your VO2 max, then it would be the 55 would be equivalent of doing 3,000 meters in 12 minutes. So 4 uh, minutes per kilometer is the tempo that you need to to keep, and that's if you're a male at uh, 20 to 29 years old. So. Uh, that's that's kind of the baseline and i think that even if you're at the lower levels or if you're a junior player i think it's it's a good measurement of uh, of your aerobic capacity and and like of course the Cooper test is that but i think that aiming for 3000 meters in 12 minutes is a good measurement of your uh, capabilities because you can't really be a good elite player if you don't uh, if you are, aren't around that number, of course running efficiency uh, might mean like doing the Cooper test Then running efficiency will help you a lot so you don't really have to have that good of a aerobic capacity if you're really efficient with running, but Nonetheless do the test and just keep working on it because uh, The elites they can run uh, quite fast. I've seen I think that some people in my club were, like, they ran, like, they ran three kilometers at, like, 10.30 pace or, like, 11 minutes. So, it's insanely fast. And um, and they were not, like, they were top of the junior circuits, like, under 19 and under 22. But still, it's, it's insane. And that was even for doubles players. But... Um, but yeah, around twelve minutes is is very good. And uh, then if you go beyond that, it's uh, it might be even better, but it it depends on a lot of things, because it's not just alone the VO two max that is enough. You need to to have good badminton related endurance, and that's from uh, and that's basically being able to recover fast from uh, like in between rallies, in between tournaments, and so on, as I have said previously in the introduction. But it's also Uh, about being efficient with the technique on the court so uh, like that's that's something you just can't get away from it's uh, it's all well and good that you can run a 12 minute uh, three kilometer cooper test that's great But if you can't sustain a high tempo and your endurance and your explosiveness during a full game of badminton, then it doesn't really matter. Then you don't need to work anything more on your aerobic capacity. You need to work more on badminton specific conditioning. And while I'm on this topic of explosiveness, it's for men's singles very important. It's um, like, look at. Like, yeah, just look at men's singles and, and you will understand what I'm talking about. Like, everyone is so explosive. Of course, there are some players who are more explosive than others. And, uh, like, look at Lin Dan in his prime. That was the best example of, of explosiveness in badminton you could ever see. Li Wei worked a lot in his explosiveness because when he was a younger player, he just played at a high tempo, being really defensive and didn't create anything. But when he was older, he had... He controlled the game and, uh, and increased uh, his movement speed uh, depending like in the rally so, so he, he worked on his explosiveness a lot and it's um, it's kind of included in the in the change of direction and with the jumping and we also a lot of times don't forget the importance of breaking or slowing or deceleration we always look at just acceleration just getting faster getting faster getting faster but not like okay so we are fast how do we increase our deceleration because that will really impact change of direction and agility and that's the main part of badminton movement since we are rarely just running straight ahead so um so that's something that's really important and also if we add into that when we look at men singles it's mostly or it's more than in, in if compared to women singles where they usually uh, run like a lot they they rarely stand still on the court uh, during the rallies they are constantly moving and that's uh, because of of the the game characteristics of women's singers, is immense singers, it's a lot of, uh, of, of disguised shots which means that you are basically in the in the middle of the court You're just like trying to react to your opponents of course sometimes you don't uh, like when it's high tempo and it's just and when it's going really fast you it's just high tempo stuff and it's uh, not that much uh, reactive change of direction it's just basic pattern play but sometimes when you play like a really good player who can really uh, chill, like des- deceive you, they have good great great deception in their shots. Then you need to be able to react and change direction from their uh, cue, basically, and um, and that's where the explosiveness, the strength, the agility, the acceleration and deceleration is crucial, and also reaction time and. I would say that if you were to if you want to become the best player in the world or if you want to become or if you just want to improve if you were to improve your change of direction skills and your agility then you will be a better player especially if you can add your some endurance work to your change of direction i've talked about that in the previous episode where i was um, talking about how to i think i don't remember exactly what i said but it was uh, I know that I said that you should do some some light work, some general work with change of direction during your preseason training because of um, of how badminton looks. And I still think you should do that. It's super important to do the general change of direction work, but then you also need to add in the badminton specific change of direction. And that could be like multi um, shuttle work. It could be shadow play. And um, and so forth. So, to so just summarize the things I've talked about now, it's uh, immense. Singers, we need good explosiveness, good explosiveness, which uh, is also kind of related to speed. We need strength, aerobic capacity, and the ability to be explosive throughout the entire match, but also your uh, ability to recover in between sessions and games and rallies and so on. Now, if we were to, to look at different levels of men singles, we have some different requirements. Because if we look at the, the elite level, the world's best players, the Victor Axelsen, Anton Sen, Ginting and so forth, those players, when they're playing, they have some really short rallies. Some data suggests it's about six seconds of work. But I saw a study about um, uh, that was done on the, how long the rallies were on, in the Olympic Games in London and Rio, which is then 2012-2016. It was more about 10 to 12 seconds per rally. But nonetheless, they saw that the, the resting ratio, so the work-rest ratio, is double. The, it's double the amount of rest, as in... working time so if you were to do a six second on average for every rally then it would be 12 seconds of rest if the rallies are 10 seconds on average then the rest is 20 seconds on average so this it's still twice the amount of rest as you are uh, working approximately and um, I don't have information about how it is in lower levels so let's say that in, in sweden we have some different uh, levels we have the elite which is at the top and then below it is a, a class and a b class and a c class so uh, and then of course when you win the c class competitions or tournaments then you go out to b class and so so on i don't know how how long the rallies are like if, if there's an average i think it it's probably impossible to do any kind of scientific study on it because it's, it will change so much because uh, yeah, it's a lot of factors, but anyway, let's, let's not get into that too much, I would say that when you're at the lower level, and this is my observations is that the tempo is, is of course slower but um, the rest or the work to rest ratio is not one to two, it's more likely to be about the same, or at least, like, so let's say the rally is 10 seconds, maybe it's 12 to 15 seconds of rest, not 20 as it was, was in the top level. And of course, it depends, uh, it depends on a lot of factors and. Uh, some players just take a lot of time between rallies like there are some old guys playing in the C class that will just they will rest for like i don't it's insane how they can <laughs> how they can play so uh, how they can do it so slowly between rallies I, uh, and it's really frustrating to play against like i um uh, it was a long time ago but i i faced someone who was just like he, he would never get the rally started, and like, I, I was getting pissed off, and it's, um, and it's, uh, it's a great, great tactic if you want to win by just making your opponent be really frustrated with you, but it's, it's may, it may not be the best thing for you to to aim to do. But if we're to, to think about it in this way, then, then I think that doing 10 to 15 seconds of intervals with 10 to 15 seconds of rest would be ideal. However, I think that uh, we want to to be explosive, want to maybe increase uh, our explosiveness and tempo as well. So what I would kind of like to do is is to do like 15 seconds of work and 30 seconds of rest. So let's say we do 10 intervals of 15 seconds work, 30 seconds rest. Then we would increase the intervals uh, session by session or uh, week by week or whatever we want until we get up to 20. And uh, I don't really know how, like you have to do the progression, like you could start at 20 as well. I I don't know, you you will have to figure that out for yourself, but let's say you start by 10 and then you you, you gradually increase from 10 intervals up to 20. And then when you are at 20 intervals or wherever you feel like that this is what I want, then you start by increasing the rest time. So you keep 15 seconds of work at the same intensity but you reduce like five seconds a week or whatever you you feel like doing so the first week then it would be 15 seconds uh, of work with 25 seconds of rest for 20 intervals then the next week you would do 50 seconds on 20 seconds off for 20 intervals and then you would go down to 15 15 and um, uh, by doing that you will increase your body's ability to or you will improve your body's ability to to better recover in between rallies and uh, i would also like to add in uh, some um, uh, what to say some um, some longer and shorter intervals in between because of course when we're playing badminton it's not like every rally is like this is an average done of, of 10 seconds it's some rallies are one second, some rallies are 40 seconds or up to one minute. It depends a lot on... on, uh, on Like, yeah, it, it's never the same. It's just an average. So you need to kind of do some intervals that's five seconds with... Uh, yeah, the same amount of rest as if you were to do 15 seconds. And then you need to do 30 seconds with uh, the same rest as if you were to do 15 seconds. So just, like, keeping them uh like not making your body like of course you need to to gradually increase from the the volume that we were to uh, that we're discussing previously but you also need to add in some sort of uh something that's also match specific but kind of random i guess so that would be the longer and short tools in between and. By, and also by doing these sort of intervals, you could start by doing, if it's in the summer, if you were to start next week or this week, then you could begin by doing the 15-15 intervals and just increase the intervals. And then you could kind of scale it or you can turn it towards more balance specific, which is that you are, like, let's say you're running 15 seconds on, 30 seconds off, then the next step would be to add some change of direction to that The same amount of time the same intensity which is kind of full sprint i would say Uh, and then you would kind of dial it towards more and more towards badminton and uh, doing some shadow play i would also like to add in some some zone 2 work which is uh, 60 to 70 percent of your maximum heart rate now however it's not like if your max heart rate is let's say 200 then it's not 120 to uh, 140 it's if you if you go by this formula instead if you want to work between 60 to 70 percent of your max heart rate then i would say find out your max heart rate and your resting heart rate and then so let's say you're 20 years old you you're going by the standard formula. So 220 minus 20, that's 200. And your resting heart rate is 60. So that's uh, 200 minus 60 times 0.6 plus your uh, resting heart rate, which would then be 140 times 0.6 plus 60. And that's 84 plus 60, which is 144 beats per minute. So that would be then the lower end of your zone 2, 60%. And then the higher end would be 70%, which is 158 for or, Sorry, for me, that would be uh, because my heart rate is, uh, is, um, is uh, in those numbers. I will show you a, a table of, of this on Instagram later on. So you can see, uh, and I also show you how to, to calculate your, uh, your zones but um yeah so i would add in some some soon to work and uh, and that's just to to do some aerobic work as well because we all need it and it's uh, if you don't need to improve your aerobic uh, capacity then it would be good and beneficial to at least keep it but then, of course, we want to scale this towards more match-specific and band-specific things. So um, so the the further in the season you are, the less uh, general work you want to be doing and a lot more high-intensity um, match-specific things. So scale back on, on the other work. However, it could be awesome to do it just as a session sometimes with instead of running you might do it with a bike or a elliptical or a rowing machine just to to not do a lot of impact work on your uh, on your body because it could be kind of uh, stressful for the joints so it could be a good way to just keep your heart going without uh, kind of annoying your joints so when we call, when it comes to strength training i would say that it's important, but it's, there are not really any, any guidelines to how strong you should be or what you do, should be able to do. I think that you need, you need a good core stability, of course, and you need good strength in the lower body, but you also need some strength in the upper body. So I want you to aim for at least two times your body weight in the squat. I think you should be able to do five pull-ups and twenty-five push-ups with good technique, and to be able to hold a plank for two minutes. I, I I'm not completely sold at the the plank test. Uh, however, it's it's quite easy to do. You don't need any equipment, and um, yeah, I mean it's it's fine. But you need someone to to look at your. Uh, to look at your technique, so you're not cheating. Now, when it comes to pull-ups, I think that at least five is uh, is uh, is a good number to to aim for. Like I could do, I think before my body broke down, I think I could do, I could do fourteen strict pull-ups, weighing like ninety ninety two kilos, I think, which is kind of good uh i would say so you don't have any excuses to to not be able to do it but just like uh, if if you can't do a pull up then my um my suggestion would be to to of course work on it but just if you were to to go up to the to the highest position uh with your chin above the the bar just hold that position isometrically for as long as you can and once you build some sort of strength there, then you would like hold for let's say 10 seconds and then slowly, 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 slowly um, do the eccentric part uh, and keep working on that until you could actually do the full pull up. Now, um, of course, you could, oh, I've talked about this so many times, but you could do a long jump and you could aim for about three meters, which is uh, really good and uh, like if you want to do some more change of direction stuff uh, and also the um, uh, aerobic uh, uh, test you could do a beep test or you could do a yo-yo test but on the court it's um it's really hard to say what you should test i think that you need to to see how for how long you can be explosive so i would do some Let's say six to eight shuttles of a very explosive exercise. Make sure to time how, how long it takes and, and then like see how, how many rounds you can go before you're not able to, to, to keep up the tempo. And then you can, uh, can, can work. You, you can get, have it as a, as a measurement of okay, so here I am now. I, I did 60 shuttles at a really good tempo before I, I couldn't do any more. And now, uh, of course, it's included rest in between, so uh, you have to choose if you want to rest for like 10 or 20 seconds between each uh, each round. But um, you need to just keep the the same uh, rest intervals uh, for the next time you test yourself. And then the... Like after a month, you could do eighty shuttles at a good tempo, and then after one month, you could do one hundred and twenty. Like you, you understand. Like you just keep improving that, so you can, so you kind of see that you can hold an uh, explosive uh, playing style for longer than you could previously. Then that's a good thing to do, and also it's um, it's uh, important to do some. Some band-specific change of direction and agility drills so that can be some multi-shot the lower or just some shadow play but it's also important to have some some to tra- practice on some rea- reactive change of direction drills so that means that you have a partner who who points in the direction you should be moving in because as i've said in in men's singles it's more uh from a a um, from standing still to then move be, from them and then be able to move to the to the correct corner that's more important than in women's singles which means that you need to to be efficient with reacting to what happens because of the deception in the shots so just practice that and um that be good and then we also need to to think about the principle of in, individualization and how do you how do you play badminton is it offensive is it defensive how do you score points what are your strengths and weaknesses physically and in terms of your badminton game and how can we work with and against them so a player who is strong but lacks explosiveness explosiveness needs to work on that aspect and an explosive player without strength needs to trade more strength Um, if, um, if you are deficient in endurance, then it's, um, it's, uh, it's also something that we need to, to kind of figure out and we need to f- figure out what is, it that's, uh, what is it that happens. Is it that you have too bad of an aerobic capacity or is it that your muscles don't have any endurance or is it that you lose too much performance at the end of the game? Like what is the is the problem? And I would say that um, combining some difficult or like some some hard badminton sessions, some hard interval sessions with some soon to work, as I've said previously, I think that's that's awesome. You could also do some some uh, multi shuttle, and then you do some some really hard like, like you could do a lot of lunges or squats or something that really gets the lactic acid going in the muscles and then do some more um to play um, but there are some general things for an athlete to um, to to be able to handle and i would say that or no not to handle but to you need to have these in your training programs for it to be for you to be athletic and it's you need to move some heavy weights you need to train with lighter weights at a high speed you need to jump sprint and you need to work on conditioning in zone two as well as the high intensity zones which is uh, close to your match uh, levels so for instance that could be like doing some heavy squats for 85 to 90 percent of your one rep max you should also perform some light squats like 50 percent of your one rep max with high speed so that means that you're kind of jumping almost Uh, at least the the speed of the bar is important then we have some jumping exercises like box jumps hurdle jumps single leg jumps etc uh, also important, you could add in some sprints and some decelerations, and we have training in zone two and four and five, maybe even in the sixth. But uh, the problem is just um, is it recovering from your max work. So even if you're like, let's say you get to your max heart rate, it would be and it would be kind of good to do it sometimes. But if you were to do it too often, you you would not be recovered enough to to get any sort of benefit from your from your training. And uh, of course the uh the zone 4, 5 and 6 are performed in intervals so it could be 2 minutes to 15 seconds of work and the rest periods could be for like 2 minutes or 15 seconds here as well to uh to quad like four to eight times the amount of work. It depends on, on a lot of factors. However, since we need to be like we're not we're not runners, we're not bike we're not cyclists, we're not rowers, we don't need to do the thing it was just to improve the um that sort of performance. We need to do it more around badminton uh, intensity. So so maybe for say four times the amount of rest as the amount of work I would say and uh, of course the best thing you could do for yourself to find out like what you need to work on and how uh, how your heart rate is, is uh, during the games is to is to wear a heart rate monitor and play a lot of uh, matches in tournaments and in uh, training sessions. But you should also so you need to do it in matches, and then you also need to do it in like the general training sessions. And the reason for for doing uh, for for measuring your heart rate during both matches in training and in uh, in competitions and your training is to to be able to figure out that okay. So from from myself when I was training. Uh, the sessions were around 90 minutes. And during those 90 minutes, I had an average heart rate of like one from 156 to 162. Like that was the average of my heart rate, which means that I that's the demand I put on my body, like of course with intervals. So it was up and down. Like I peaked out at around 190 beats per minute, and I think the lowest was like 120, 130 beats per minute and then i could actually work on that so i could um, i could um, do some really long zoom to work i could actually do some work uh with intervals that that made my average heart rate be at around that um, um uh, yeah like 160 mark so you, you can really find out a lot by uh, uh by just measuring and writing down like um, yeah what was my heart rate during this game uh did it did it spike a lot when uh, there was a long rally or did it spike a lot when it was a high tempo rally did it come back down fast was it slow like you can you can find out about that and you can also use some some rating scales where you um kind of uh, like indicate like so you look at your your heart rate, and i was like yeah i was really tired here i remember i rem- remember the rally was it uh was it a lot of lactic acid or was it something else that you felt during that that time when you were really tired and how did it affect the, and how was the recovery from that so if you say you had a lot of lactic acid and you recovered kind of badly from it then you could probably work on uh Doing some exercise that would really increase your lactic acid and then uh, rest for as long as you need and then like gradually decrease the amount of rest until you are really fit at just uh, getting rid of the lactic acid. So um, there are also some different aspects that we could look at. Uh, which is if you have some if you if you're good if you're an endurance-based player, which means that your uh, your points come from more of uh, just playing around the shuttle and like returning the shuttle and then um, making uh, just moving a lot, playing long rallies, playing long matches. Then um, uh, or just if you if you just have good endurance naturally, then play long rallies and make sure that you. Uh, that you, if your opponents don't have the same endurance as you, make sure you start the the next rally quite fast, so you you are kind of recovered, they are not recovered, and then work on that. That's kind of a way to work with your physical abilities. Um, but you should also know that if you are good at endurance, then you need to work more on explosiveness and speed, because if you can combine those two, then you would have uh, a great opportunity to to change the tempo of the game you could change the tempo of the rally which is uh, what you see every uh, great player do now if you if you lack endurance you should not rush between rallies you should take enough time don't be super slow because it's just annoying but but don't rush uh rush the game maybe you could do it sometimes if if you feel as you like that you have the momentum on your side then you could do it. Uh, but uh, then of course you would you would want to, to be able to be as recovered as you can before the next rally. Now if you want to work on your endurance you can you can either do this that you during your regular sessions you just uh, train as, as you usually do and then afterwards you add in some, um, some Zoom to work. Which you then gradually um, change to more of interval-based um, uh, thing, and then or just like decrease it and increase the intensity during the sessions when you feel that you're you're getting the, the desired effect. And um, it's important to to not think that just doing some zone two work will drastically change your endurance on court you need to to work on the zoom too they need to do some some more work with change of direction and intervals and then like doing the band specific things because just doing steady state running won't do a lot of things for your badminton endurance you need to work on on that uh so you also need to think about like how many matches do you play in a tournament is it two matches is it three matches is it 11 matches you need to think about that because it makes a difference because you need to be prepared to let's say you are an elite player and uh or let's say that you're just the the player who wins you go past the group stage and then you have like one or two matches before you lose Um, then you know that okay so it's between four or five between three and six matches in a tournament uh then you need to and it could be spread over two days or if it's just one day you will know that as well so then you need to be prepared for that and it's also one thing that a lot of people forget about is uh when we are preparing like if you need a long time to warm up before your games so let's say you need to to start running you need to yeah, you need to run for like ten minutes, and then you need to to stretch. You need to do some activation drills. Yeah, then you need to go on court. You need to hit some shuttles. You need to go up in match tempo and blah blah blah. You <laughs> if you play six matches and your warm up is twenty minutes, that's two hours of just warm up, and some of that is kind of intense as well. And you need to to prepare your body for that. So uh, what I would do is, some weekends I would kind do some, some 30 minute sessions um, with 10 to 20 minute warm up, uh, as you would do prior to your matches, and then like do some conditioning work just to prepare my body to, to, uh, to work out and then recover and then work out again, and like just getting your body used to what it feels like uh, during a tournament. Just yes, to be prepared for that. And uh, of course, if you're playing the elite level, or if you're playing doubles or mixed doubles, it's usually—I uh, don't remember what it's called in English—but it's uh, if you lose one game, you're 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 out of the tournament. Which in ma- in many single cases there's uh, there's a group stage. Uh, so if it's in elite tournament, it's usually also uh, uh, elimination. Uh, Uh, Format which means that if you lose you're out and then you could actually work a lot more on just being Really 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 good at one game Now of course the problem with that is if you start to to win (laughs) then you will Probably lose a lot of performance by the second or third match, but it's uh, it's something you can work on So the some of the last things i want to talk about before i give you the keys to uh, to unlock your explosiveness and speed when you're training you need to try to train at a higher tempo than playing matches because you won't get as tired as playing um, the match tempo so it's like getting used to running at 15 kilometers per hour but competing at 13 kilometers per hour. So it's like kind of intro based here as well. But it's important that you then train for with lower intensity for longer. Then it's important that you, yeah, you simulate the match conditions. And then it's also important that you train harder and faster than in a match. So, and they of course need to really monitor your, your um, need to monitor your intensity so you know how you've been training and create the good or not the good but the the correct plan for your for your goals but now for men's singles players speed explosiveness and agility are crucial and the model for uh, increasing your explosiveness and your speed is quite simple you start with a You could do it in more steps, but I'm gonna do the the basics. So you do six to twelve repetitions for muscle growth. In a, it could be a couple of weeks, maybe. Then you do one to five repetitions for maximum strength. So this is the 85 to 90 percent of your one rep max. Then you do one to five reps for explosiveness, and that's the 50 percent I said previously. Also in squats now. So you do the same exercise. With the given repetitions and weight, then you do some vertical and horizontal jumps. Then you go from there to running speed. Now you could uh, you could also like really want to work on your explosiveness and your uh, jumping ability, and then it would uh, and then also to translate that to to the court because that's the important part. Is that it doesn't matter if you can vertical jump. Uh, 60 centimeters if you can't jump on a single leg or if you can't time it with a smash it doesn't matter so what you need to do then is is to do you, you do heavy squats then you do light squats like the explosive ones then you do some vertical jumps without weight uh, then you do vertical jumps with smashing like or like with a smashing movement uh Without a shuttlecock, and then you would finally do it with a shuttlecock, which would then be the most specific thing you could do to uh, increase your jumping ability on court and um, and to make it really badminton specific. So that's basically how you do it. And to to increase your your agility, you need to work a lot on acceleration and deceleration, and that's kind of hard to explain just in. In uh, on a podcast without a video to, to show how uh, what to work with foot, foot positions, but but what you could do is to, um, uh, to let's say you have three meters to three to five meters where you can accelerate to your top speed, then you would do you would place a cone to form a line, and then you would place cone like six cent like a half, half a meter behind the first cone. To create another line, and that will be a box basically of the cones. Now your goal is to accelerate as fast as you can until you reach the point of, of the first line where the, the cones are are uh, lined out, and then you have just a half a meter to decelerate from your acceleration. so then you actually work a lot on on just like the braking part of uh, of the movement and that's important as well uh, that's really important and then you could of course do it uh, laterally you could do it in a badminton specific way but just like keep working on on the, the technique where how, how you place your feet when you are braking or decelerate, decelerating now of course strength and explosiveness and those things will help you decelerate so um, just make sure that you're not just stuck in the in the face of, of just gaining strength. Don't stay too long in there. Go from strength to explosiveness because I, I know a lot of people who just like, yeah I need, I need to get strong, I need to get strong. And it's like no, you need to get explosive. And also you need to get stronger, but like if you if you were just to stay here in the strength zone like you you need to um you will come back to that later on. Just go from there and, and do your explosive work. So uh, so don't get stuck for too long and don't rush your results. It, they will come. But just have a plan and figure out how to uh, or what you need to do to, uh, to improve your game. But here are some general things about, about the men's singles game. So hopefully you've learned something. And next episode will be about How to Train for Women Singles. Thank you so much for listening. Give me a five-star review on Spotify. Thank you. Bye.